Welcome to Cover to Cover, a podcast featuring musical conversations about an album or song which has changed and enhanced someone's life. I am your host, songwriter Matt Targa. We humans connect with the presence of music in our own unique way. As an artist, a concert goer, through our headphones, or as something that simply lives in our everyday background. Our guest today comes to us from Charlottesville, Virginia. He is one John Athade. John is an artist, a filmmaker, musician, traveler, and a designer. He is the man behind a musical project known as Rotoscope. I'll be dropping a link in the show notes for you to get acquainted with his tunes and where you can learn about Rotoscope's new album that just came out this year called Permanent Daylight. Once a full band and now a solo project, Rotoscope finds inspiration from Depeche Mode, Portis Head, and Brian Eno mixing experimental sonic waves with guitar solos and moody pedals. For our conversation today, we are going to be discussing Octung Baby, the seventh studio album by Irish rock band U2. Actung Baby, if you recall, spawned several singles including The Fly, Mysterious Ways, One, Even Better Than the Real Thing, as well as Who's Gonna Ride Your Wild Horses. Octung Baby was produced by Daniel Langlois and Brian Eno and was released on November 18, 1991 on Island Records. Octung Baby was recorded at Hansatan Studios in Berlin, Elsinore, in Dalkey, just outside of Dublin, STS in Dublin, and it was also recorded at Windmill Lane Studios in Dublin. We all know U2 as a quartet, and that includes Bono on the lead vocals, plus guitar, The Edge on guitar, keyboards and vocals, Adam Clayton on bass guitar, as well as Larry Mullen Jr. on drums and percussion. Without further ado, Let's welcome our guest to the program. Jonathan, I'd like to formally welcome you to the program Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka. Thanks so much for being on here and spending some time to talk with us about a record that has informed your own creativity and has continued to inspire you. Well, thanks, Matt, for having me. I appreciate it. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right, excellent. We are going to be talking about U2's Octung Baby. What... um. Where did, where did this all begin for you? What inspired you to choose this record? Well, I'm like, rewind back to being like 10 years old. And U2 is, you know, coming off of Joshua Tree, Rattle and Hum is out, you know, Angel Harlem's on the radio. And it's like, oh, yeah, they're cool. That's that band, you know. And you're just starting to really get out of the kid music and starting to figure out, like, oh, there's this band and there's this band. And you don't realize that Led Zeppelin is done at this point. But, you know, because everyone's got Led Zeppelin 4 and we're playing Stairway to Heaven. You're like, this is amazing. Well, yeah, that was, you know, whatever. So all yeah. these, you're, you're still you're still kind of learning who's who and who's what's what. But it's like, oh, yeah, Usual Harlem, you know, Desire, all those songs are kind of hitting the radio. And so, you know, you kind of start listening and, and learning some of this stuff. And so I had kind of gotten pretty familiar with you 2 as far as Joshua Tree and War. And it was like, okay, that's a cool band. Um, I kind of like this stuff. I just started playing guitar at this point, too. And, and I had a friend who had a bunch of old gear from his dad, and I got a delay rack that I borrowed from him, and I still have it in my rack. <laughs> um, it's a, a Ross. It's, it's one of these delays that you're just like, what? It's a Ross DDL-999. And the thing that it had that made it so much cooler than just, say, one of the little delay pedals, it, it has modulation. So the delayed sound 
gets a, a bit of a modulation on it, like a chorus effect. And that's one of those big U2 signature things. And so I just started, like, learning all these guitar parts and stuff like that, and, like, you know, you know, where the streets have no name, things like that. <clears throat> and, you know, all of a sudden, it's U2's been kind of quiet for a while, and, and you know, it, it, this is, you know, still the heyday of MTV, and I remember sitting there, and it was like, they're going to have the new premiere of the new U2 video for The Fly. Okay. And this is, you know, going, everything that you know about U2 is this, like, Americana, even though they're Irish, but they're all, you know, that's very much their Americana phase. Bono with the vest and the, the ponytail and with or without you video. Totally. And all of a sudden there's this dude with sunglasses in black leather. Yeah. What? What? What's going yeah. on? Yeah, what is happening just, here? Yeah. And just the, the opening riff, you know, you know, it's just, it's like something's different here. You know, it kicks in. Like the, the I remember just being like, what is this thing that I'm hearing? Because it, you basically kick into a, a dance beat almost, you know, like, uh, you know, it's, Barry Mullen's not doing the, the straight stuff. It's, you know, there's a lot of tambourine, there's a lot of, uh, of syncopation happening and it's just distorted and weird. And the video is very visual flashy. And it's, I just remember Bono, it's got, it starts with Bono running through the streets of London directing track. And it's like one of those like ludicrous visuals. Like, yeah. Yeah. What is going on? What is happening to this guy? So it's like, okay, well, it sounds interesting, but it's not the U2 I know, right? And so I, you're, and just, this pretty much happens with every U2 record. For the yeah. first couple like first couple of weeks, I'm like, I don't know about this thing, man. And then I listen to it more and more. I'm like, okay, this is genius. Um, that, vision, like hearing that and just, just like, okay, this is, this is a really cool vibe. This just, I need to go hear this whole record. Uh, and I had just started, I basically just started thinking about this time too. And so we would, you know, we're all just high schoolers, you know, freshmen, junior, sophomore, junior, that, that major at this point, 91. So I'm what? I'm, I'm a freshman. So, um, and so we're, we're lit, like, this is, this becomes like the record we listen to nonstop. Like we, uh, we, you know, it's just, it's constant, constantly on, on every practice where we, that record's playing when we're setting up. That's, you know, we're trying to learn those songs and play them very poorly as a bunch of high school musicians yeah. uh, that, that don't really understand how the songs were built yet. Um, but it, yeah, it's just, it's one of those records like that when that, that fly visual, that's how I just remember being, what is this? And then being like, this is really cool. We're talking with John Bade here on cover to cover with Matt Tarka, specifically about U2's Octung Baby. And, you know, John, as we're, you know, kind of leafing through the discography here, it, you've implied that this is a drastic departure for the group. Um, right. Is that is, is that accurate to say? I mean, are there hints of other, you know, records that they had, you know, put out from the early 80s, you know, to this point in 1991, where there are just these little hints like, we haven't changed too much, but we're going to sprinkle in a couple of different ideas just to throw you off the scent. Well, I think you can break up their discography into two sections before Octoon Baby. It's Boy October and War. War being kind of like there's like okay, you guys have polished this thing now. You know, that that's that's that early U two sound, you know, Day, Sunday by Sunday. It's got that that vibe and it's it's really clean. Boy and October are a little experimental young band figuring themselves out there. And though but it, interestingly those were all produced by Steve Lillywhite. Then decide to go work with Daniel Lenoir, who is a more of an Americana uh, musician, 
most most people would know him for some of his more recent, well, not recent now, but his later work, uh, like going on and things like that. And um, then also Brian Neal. Yeah. And, you know, we think of him now as the father of ambient music, but you know, he was also a member of Roxy Music, and he was weird. <laughs> I mean, you, yeah. look, you look at video performances of Roxy Music, and you're like, what was he smoking? Because, wow, he's got feather boas, and, he just, and it's hilarious. But then you see interviews with him now, and he's this very proper upper-class position. And everything's very precise, and, you know, he's just, he, he seems to be like somebody who would carry an art museum. And, you know, and then you go back and look at this stuff in Roxy Music, but, like, I mean, he was so into just, like, playing with sounds. And so Unforgettable Fire, they go record in this castle and all this crazy stuff, and he really changes that sound. The guitar goes from this really clean, simple sound, and all of a sudden it's to wash. Everything is just these huge soundscapes, these huge textures. Um, and some of those guitar bass, some of those are keyboard, some of those are a mix. And it's just this fascinating tonal change that happens. You know, still those pride, which is kind of like the song that bridges from war to Unforgettable fire, right? If you think about some of the the other songs that are famous for record, Bad being the one that everyone knows from live, where Bono decided he was going to slow dance with somebody, and the band like had to vamp for uh, like ten minutes. Or something. They basically had three songs, and they only had to play two of them, and everybody thought they had screwed up royally, but apparently the, it it worked really well for the camera. Um, but yeah, that, so that that song is a slow build, and this you know they they, they, they it, it's moving away from this kind of like simple song foundation and textures. And there's stuff on the B side of that record that's literally Bono making words up. It's like a half finished song. Hmm. Um, and yeah. it's, 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 it's really kind of this cool process detail. And it's, it's, the more I kind of learned about Brian Eno and by 1993, he's working with the band James uh, on the record late. And they put out another version of the record called Wawa. It was all the ambient weird stuff that, like, it's him and Tim Booth and the band playing around. And so you could see this crazy creative process. And I'm like, now I understand, like, his act on, on YouTube and, and how Unforgettable Fire happened. Um, and then John Tree, of course, kind of being, again, the, the perfection of that sound. Just, again, the, the huge plays and, and just sitting there working with, from a technical perspective, he's got the Daniel Lanois, I just love this unit called the SDD 3000. Cord just re-released it as a pedal, um, but what it had was a preamp. <clears throat> um, it, it was a 12-bit digital uh, instead of 16-bit, so it was a little rough, but it would boost the AC30 amp, so you'd get a very slight distortion without a distortion pedal, a little bit of drive from the delay. Daniel Lanois actually will run it as a preamp with no delay on guitars, just for the tone it makes. Um, and, and it's, it's like adding those two things together and he'll stack it and he'll, you know, the, uh, like streets, you know, on the left channel is in a one delay and the right channel is a different delay and all sorts of crazy stuff like that. And a couple other units that Eno brings into the mix is even tie H3000, uh, and just the shimmer that is now famous as the edges guitar tone, that like shimmery of everything. That's all from Eno and the Eventide unit. And then the uh, the Korg A3, which really becomes unit for Octane Baby. It's this weird, 
cool processor. It's like it's like one of those early everything in one things, but it's a rack unit. <clears throat> so it has some cool sounds and has some really weird digital sounds. Um, and and you know, it's like I think the most famous use of it is is actually the guitar sound numb, but there's also the guitar tone from Mysterious Ways. Those are both from the A3. So all these kind of things coming in, you know, that's, I think that's like, if you look at the discography and like the edge goes from a pedal, the memory mandalay to a wreck to ground control <laughs> with blinking lights. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's kind of like, Oh, yeah. here's another unit that, that, that Brian brought over. Great. Let's put it on the rack. <laughs> Not going to put it out now. So he turned, you know, it kind of just becomes this, you know, growing thing. And by the time he's touring Octane Baby, he's got, you know, all sorts of crazy boutique pedals. He's got this huge switching system from Bob Bradshaw and Custom Audio Electronics. Um, and it's, you know, of course, you know, trying to be a 16-year-old and, and mimicking that tone with one guitar and a delay rack, it's a little frustrating, but uh, <laughs> you just can't. <laughs> Some things you just keep copying. But yeah. it's like you see that, that's that evolution. And, and you can keep looking at that. That evolution continues. You know, Zuropa is very much a continuation of the tunes, but it's more like the experimental record followed the polished record in a weird way. Um, and pop, then they're kind of shifting more. And then, of course, they came kind of came back around full circle uh, with All That You Can't Leave Behind. And they've kind of been on that kick now for a while. I mean, they've kind of, I think they've settled in and like, that's that's what we do. Talking with John Fade right now of the band Rotoscope here on Cover to Cover. And we are going in deep here on YouTube, <laughs> Octung Baby. And, John, this feels like a really good segue to talk about your favorite tracks. Would you like to go track by track, or would you like to, you know, pick out a handful and just go, you know, go with where it takes us? I, I mean, actually, this is one of those records that I pretty much don't skip anything. Um, I have so I have favorites for sure, but it's it's one of those things where you just, like, every single song has got something going on. Um, we literally, as, as our high school band, we actually did try and play every single one of these songs, most of them poorly, but some of them we got, we got okay. Um, so like, yeah, Zeus, let's kick it off with Zeus Station. So yeah, that record opens, you just hear the ding, ding, yeah. ding, 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 ding. And I don't know what they actually did on the record, but our, my high school drummer, Marshall, literally found a brake drum from a car and put it on, on a stand oh. over top of his Tom Tom on the left. And sat oh, wow. there, and he's he's like, ding, that it was pretty close. And so he had that, and so he would hit that along with the snare to get this metallic crunch out of it because we don't have, you know, we don't have sample pads or any of these fancy things. You know, this is a, yeah. this is like the early '90s. You can't afford yeah. any of that stuff. Um, so you just kind of have to hack it. But then you know the tambourine and the hi hat and all these kind of, all these kind of cracks. Like we we were just like watching watching all this stuff all the time and like trying to figure out how they get all these things. But um, you know, just, I mean, that kind of just sets this tone and this distorted voice and, you know, every, everything is, and everything about this record is just so raw. And I think Zoo Station just sets you up to be like, here's where we're going, you know, and it, and it, it's, you know, it's a nice analogy. And, and this kind of exploration of it, you know, it feels very urban, feels very urban at night to me. Yes. Um, and I think there's something that's in that sound. I mean, I don't, you know, you don't say... Zoo Station, for example, is very much like you're in the metro of, of you know, Paris or, or Berlin or something like that running around as opposed to sitting on the, you know, uh, sitting on a cafe somewhere in, in, in the city. It's, 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 got a, it's got that undertone. It's got that grit to it, that, that 
that that play. Um, and I and I think that's just you know that's just like the the it's pretty it's pretty straight for for you know the dance influence of the record. That's that's one of the more straight straight jams. Uh, but you know the bass is really driving everything, and, and the guitar's got a cool little chunky riff and is really heavily distorted. Oh, you know, out to the wazzy looks. Yeah. You're just like, oh, okay. <laughs> when that guitar yeah. comes in, you're like, this is, yep, yep, this is not, this is not your, uh, this is not your, uh, your daddy's you too. <laughs> oh, never, right. right. Uh, again, yeah. There's a great quote, and I'm forgetting it now, but basically, uh, it's something to the effect of that Octoon Baby is this, the sound of four men chopping down the Joshua tree. Oh. I think it's it's from you too. It's from it's from either Bono or the Edge, but that's it's one of those things where you're just like, that's an amazing analogy. Because you know they've yeah. been like that record. I mean, they've been on touring on that record for three years plus, mm-hmm. and they're the basically the biggest band in the world. And here we are. <laughs> you know, they're, they're yeah, and they're, and they're doing the best that they can not to repeat themselves. You know, right. And I think they also there was. I mean. I, from from the stories I've read, and, and this this record was incredibly hard to create, and they actually were trying to figure something out. So they went to Hans Upon in Berlin, which is one of those uh, historic studios. But this is now, you know, decade after, or almost two decades after Bowie's there, when Bowie did Heroes there, and most famously, you know, and and um, and the famous technique where where uh, Tony Visconti put the three mics out in the room and basically gated them. So as Bowie is singing quietly, you only get the close mic. And then as he goes up a level, you get the second mic, you start to get some of the room reverb. And then at the end where he's going, I remember you're getting the entirety of the room reverb of the main room of Ponsatan Studio, which is just like orchestral recording room. So it's, it's a really storied room, and it's a really cool place. And they're sitting there trying to say, like, how can we capture something? We need to break everything up. And apparently the band is almost breaking up at this point. <laughs> it's just wow. like... Um, and uh, and it's, it's pretty fascinating to see like how how this all came out of there. And, and what's so cool about this record is that the tapes, quote unquote, were leaked. Apparently, a bunch of of um, that tapes were stolen from from Eno's car. Is the story, but who knows if that was intentional or not? You know. Um, and so you you've heard you can sit there and go back and see all these songs in their infancy and how pieces got chopped up and rearranged into new songs that you know and and hear on the record. And it's it's really cool to kind of see that uh that evolution and just Bono like scatting, <laughs> making random crap up, you know, just trying to find a find a note, find the melody, what the song wants to be. Yeah. We're talking about the first track here on YouTube's Octong Baby Zoo Station. And uh, John, I'm you know, I am trying to rack my brain right now. Uh, you, you mentioned that these, you know, tapes were potentially leaked, or they were leaked. I'm wondering if the concept of Zoo TV was kind of out there in the public consciousness for fans of the band, diehard fans of the band, because Zoo TV became this gigantic stage, you know, set of antics, if you will, by the group. Um, yeah, the twist of I wonder if Zoo Station was just one of these things like, oh, okay, that's a cool name for a song, but what, you know, what the heck is it? And thinking about just the various musical components of this track, it's very apropos with what they were projecting out there in gigantic stadiums at this point in their career, and still are today, of course. Yeah, there is a big shift that happens, and and, and the characters that Bono created for this record, being the fly being the most famous of them, um, just this kind of like weird 
<laughs> really kind of twisted individual and just like, you know, like complete media whore kind of vibe. And it's like, yeah. I think part of it, I think there was a part there where the band was also like, you are too much of your character. You need to reflect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, and then he, 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 you know, with, with pop, he, he kind of expands it into the whole Mephisto character. Um, um, you know, and that, that whole thing, which is, is, uh, I know. I mean, there's there's a lot of influence, and, and he, he, there's even hints of some of this stuff. Like, for example, C.S. Lewis, the Screwtape Letters, gets hinted at in the "Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me" video. Bono gets run over by Mephisto in a car, and he he's holding a book, and, and it falls, and it says the Screwtape Letters, which is a weird. See, I mean, C.S. Lewis, you know, wrote a lot of Christian stuff too, um, yeah. not just Narnia. I mean, is a is a fictional piece, but like Mere Christianity and Screwtape Letters being one of them. Screwtape Letters being a fictional thing where he actually is a, a senior devil tempting a junior de- or telling, teaching a junior devil how to tempt people. It's like a reverse defense of Christianity. It's a fascinating read. Um, and so you can see Bono's like pulling these characters in in weird ways and like, like starting to, to, to twist them through all these, all these different songs and, and things. It's, it's pretty fascinating once you kind of see what's behind it and some of the things that influenced it. Absolutely. We are talking with John Fade here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka, specifically about U2's Octung Baby. And, you know, John, let's go from U- uh, Zoo Station to even better than the real thing. This was a, yeah. this was a monster uh, single that was released. Was, do you know if this was the first uh, proper single from this record, or was it one? The Fly was the first one. Yeah, The Fly was the first single, but The Fly was just like a – before the record comes out, single – like we're gonna turn your turn your ear, and then even better, the real thing was really the lead off single. If you want to think about it that way, and it became a monster hit. Um, and yeah, it's just, you know the um, the whammy pedal doing the and just like yeah. like really cool treatments of, of all these instruments. And this is you know again the dance influence, and, and this is the early '90s dance scene. So this is yeah. this is stuff that you know I mean it's you know the crystal method vegas record and stuff like that and, and a lot of the stuff that's just nobody even knew about in in europe uh all these underground electronic artists that became massive by the end of the 90s um and and it's pretty hilarious because so many of these guys remixed songs that were the b-sides of the single it's like i had no clue who apollo 440 really? was yeah apollo huh. 440 did like all these remixes for you too and it's it's, it's pretty cool because you can go and find like all these you know all these b-side singles um, you know, and, and and they just they had all these remixes from electronic artists, and it was like I think it was one of the first rock bands to really embrace the remix culture. <clears throat> but yeah, and, and even better, the real thing is really I mean it's such a danceable song, you know, just have that, which is kind of the pattern that Mullen uses a lot. It uh, trying to um, you you hear it all the time now. I mean these, yeah. these are things oh, that yeah. were not in rock and roll then, but now it's just like. Oh yeah, I mean it's almost the it's almost the drum riff from Pain Lies by the Riverside by Lies, which yeah. you, you know you know a decade later. <laughs> right? Yeah, his yeah his drumming has definitely become vocabulary for so many drummers afterwards. Totally, totally. Yeah. After even better than the real thing, we have one, and yeah. it's it, what a beautiful message. It's such a you know there are these like nice like muted guitars kind of reverby you know i've i've heard you know some friends of mine refer to this as the magnum opus and the whole canon of the band would would mm-hmm. that be something that you could agree with or i think i think it is it is indefinitely one of the top songs if not the top song they've ever written um 
and I think it's fitting because this is the song that, that this is the song they were about to basically quit. Larry Mullen and Adam wanted to do one thing, Adam Clayton, the bass player, and then Edge and Bono were going a different direction. And this is the last thing they were able to do in Berlin before going back to Ireland. And, um, and it basically was like, okay, we have something here. Like, cause they're, they're getting to a point where they're like, do we even exist as a band anymore? Do like, is this like, are we just too disparate? Is there any way we can bring this all back together? Right. Um, so it's, you know, there's so many, there's so many literal things in here. And like Bono is, is through this whole record is writing about the edges of divorce. Um, and so there's so many of those things coming in and, you know, just all these other messages too, of just, of just humanity and, and, yeah. and how to be a good person. <laughs> you know, it's, it's such yeah. a, the, the, the layers of the onion on this song is, is just incredible. And I mean, I, I'm sure half of that is also stuff that everybody that listens to it has applied to it, but that means that makes it an even greater song, right? That you can, you can take something the artist didn't intend and it, it just improves the song even more, and it makes it even more powerful. Oh, it, you know, did I disappoint you or leave a bad taste in your mouth? You act like you never had love, and if you want me to go without. <laughs> right, and it just, I mean, so much of so much of those, it's not unrequited love, right? This is love falling yeah. apart. This is this is people who have, you know, uh, you know and, and the older I get, the more I think I appreciate some of these messages that, I, you know, when you're 16, 17, you don't understand some of this complexity. Um Love is still like, you know, woohoo, let's go party, summer 69, Brian Adams kind of vibe, right? Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, as you start getting older and you get, you know, you're in long-term relationships and, and uh, you know, you're, you you see all the, the, the pop stardom of, of young love falls away and you kind of, you're in the, the thick of it and you're, it's, it's great, but it's different. Um, and I think you can start to see a lot of those things from an evolution perspective in this stuff and just, you know, um, love is a temple, love the higher law. You ask yeah. me to enter, but then you make me crawl. <laughs> you know, just, okay. Yeah. yeah. Bono was really pushing his vocals right here. And you could really feel him like pushing his diaphragm as he re- oh, yeah. know, releases in this song. I can still barely hit this song and I've been trying to sing it for 20 years. <laughs> it's, it's just one of the, and, I mean, granted they drop it a half step. So make sure yeah. if you ever want to cover it, you drop your guitar a half step. But <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, I'd like to briefly mention um, the, the real minimalistic nature of the visual component that you got in the MTV days from this song. You mm-hmm. see this, you, it's, it's black and white. It's, it's a little bit grainy and you just see this, like this buffalo coming into into picture, just roaming the plains. Yeah. Well, that, that, there's there's three videos for this song, I think. One of them is just the buffalo running. Yeah. Which which is is I think was also part of the whole. Um, they did a benefit for AIDS with this, and that's that's uh, the buffalo running and running off the cliffs. In fact is part of the whole thing, that whole thing. Oh, that's the, um, right. Yeah. And then yeah. there's the second one. I can't remember the second one. The third one is the one that always stuck with me, though. I mean, because the Buffalo one was cool because it was just so different. Like, you'd never seen that before. And you're just like, this is, you know, everybody is still trying to be, you know, McGee is big at this point, right? You know, it's it's, it's yeah. like lots of color, lots of flash. Um, and this is a grainy black and white Anton Corbin slow motion Buffalo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. That's what I'm going to do. Um but then the the third video is this weird mix. So there's this third one where it's Bono sitting in a booth at some restaurant smoking, basically, and looking straight into the camera, like no makeup, no nothing, just 
I'm singing this song to the camera. Um, and it's, it's interspersed with some of, you know, some, some grained out live footage and, and uh, some footage, black and white grained out footage of a woman and stuff. But it's, it's this, it's just him, him looking at the camera and you like, he, whatever he's emoting there, it just yeah. hurts. Yeah. <laughs> it just hurts. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, oh, dude. All right. Um, and I think at one point he messes up and he just stops and looks at the camera and they put it in. And that's, I think that's a super powerful visual that goes with it. Definitely. We're talking to Jonathan here of Rotoscope on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka, specifically about U2's Octagon Baby. After one, we have a track called Until the End of the World. A lot of overdriven guitars on this one from the edge, and it's yeah, you know, a lot of confessional vocals too. What what say you? Well, this is uh, this is Judas talking to Jesus. The whole yeah. lyric, the whole lyric is Judas talking to Jesus, and it was. This song has a special place for me because I we did Godspell in high school, theater group. Uh, and normally the John the Baptist and Judas character is one individual. But we had enough people in my class that, we, that were, you know, relatively talented actors that they split it. So I was Judas. <laughs> so this, uh, <laughs> yeah. this has a lot, of, a lot of emotional for me. But it's just, I mean, it's such a – people, I mean, people don't really think, you know, you, even – people who spend a lot of time in the Bible, you don't really talk much about how, what Judas was thinking. Um, you know, in this weird, weird, weird kind of like era and, and you have these zealots looking for a military leader and, you know, this, this guy comes in and is like, no, no, that's not how we're going to win. And it was like, what? And it's kind of like, you know, he, he feels let down and betrayed and all these things and, and just kind of driving all that into that lyric um, in my dreams, I was drowning my sorrows, but my sorrows I learned to swim. You know, <laughs> just a little. Okay. Um, it's it's heavy to me. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's so the whole song is super heavy. Uh, and waves of regret and waves of joy. I reached out for the one I tried to destroy. You, you were talking about the end of the world, or you would wait until the end of the world is how it turns at the end. Um, so heavy, so powerful, and I, it's it's an underrated song. I think on the record, I don't think many people have have div, like. It's cool. It's loud. It's it's rambunctious. It feels like you know. It feels like Octu maybe, right? It's got that that thing that that's similar to like the fly, um, in a little bit of Zoo Station. But it's it's definitely not a single. It's it's too dark. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. Like before, you know, the, the main chorus here, where there's the repetition of the word love. There's this really cool like sound of wafting air. That, you, that takes place like during Edge's guitar solo. It just adds like a really interesting layer of complexity without um, without getting in the way of any of the instrumentation. I found that to be a really really interesting choice from a recording perspective. Yeah, it's it's um, the the technique where yeah the, the drop back there where and it just goes into the harmonics up high. And you yeah. get that echo. Love, 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 love. It's like oh wow, that's really cool. Uh, and it, it, it's it is that kind of thing happening right and i'm not quite sure what they did how they did it but yeah i don't they, know <laughs> yeah and so many of that like the 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 tone is like it's just the, the overlaying of the guitars and and once you like you think oh it's just one guitar and it's like seven <laughs> you know yeah. after um excuse me after, after until the end of the world we have who's going to ride your wild horses and this is big single feels like a bit of a release if you will after you know such a tension-filled track before such yeah, it's it's it's. I mean, it's still somber, but it's playful in a way. Like, I mean, 
it's 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 less. I mean, it's just a, it's more major sounding and you know it's the cool. And there's lots of cool remixes of this. There's one that's very acoustic heavy, and and you can kind of see how they built up the track in different ways with the different remixes. Um, but I, I don't think I don't think they ever sing it live. I don't think they've ever done this jam live. Maybe once or twice, but it's something that they just never could could replicate outside of the studio. Going back to the MTV world here for just a second, there's they're, they're showing this band being so comfortable in their own skin and at the peak of their powers. Right. And it's it's fascinating just to see, you know, these studio shots and colorful flourishes, and then you know you're listening to the song and it's just as timeless as one and. You know, this song, you know, sounds like it's comfortable in a big arena or a big stadium, or you could, you know, you could hear this song fitting really well around a campfire. It just has a really cool Oh, sure. I've, I've played it. it around a campfire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, I mean, it's one of the things that it's an easy sing-along, which is hilarious. It's kind of weird that they don't do it live as much as, they, you know, you'd think they would, because it's just, it's just this great lifted chorus. And, and it's kind of, the, again, it's kind of that, it's kind of that ultimate breakup song, right? Like yeah. who's gonna you know who's gonna take the place of me? <laughs> it's literally the line he sings at the end. Right. Um, so it's it's one of those things like everybody's been through that vibe. Everyone has that feeling, and it's um, and the verses I love. I mean, YouTube does this a lot. Radiohead does this to a far more esoteric extent, but it's lots of little vignettes, and which is is you know it's lots of little pictures that make a bigger picture. It's it's not this linear country song storytelling, right? Um, and this has also become kind of like textbook vocabulary for how to write a alternative rock song. You know, give me give me lots of little vignettes, give me little little snippets instead of telling me a true storyline. Um, yeah, non non linear too, right? Yeah, yeah. You, you you stole it because you needed the cash. You killed it because you wanted revenge. Okay, those are two little snippets, and they they start to paint a picture of the other side of this relationship. Um, and then, yes, and of course, the line, you know, you lied to me because you asked me to, baby, can we still be friends? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I mean, there's a little bit tongue in cheek, but it's also a little like, there's a lot of, the way he delivers that is a like super sincere. And you're like, are you joking or not? <laughs> is this, is this kind of like, oh, we have to be friends, keep it together for the kids, yada, yada. Or is it this kind of just like, no, I really like, I can't, I don't know what to do without you kind of thing. So. Yeah, absolutely. After Who's Gonna Ride Your Wild Horses, we have So Cruel. Yeah. <clears throat> Very Bowie-esque in some spots, you know. It seems, yeah. You know, from a vocal point of view, you know, Bono seems to be trying a couple of different things, like Bowie, like circa Under Pressure era. Oh, yeah, yeah, I gotta see that for sure. There's there's this, uh, yeah, this is definitely a, the non-U2, U2 song on this record, I think. I mean, it, 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 it's the, the stretch and the the... the patterning on the happening in the music underneath it and it's just like and it has this kind of like getting it has like a weird gallop to it but it's not a fast song right yeah um yeah and complimenting that with descending piano notes it's uh yeah it's a cool tune and yeah and there's everything's kind of floating over this bed that the rhythm section and and pretty much eno is laying down and then you got this piano Okay, there we go. There we yeah. go. <laughs> um, and um yeah, there's very like I mean there's some guitar in there but it's not it's it's more again, the edge is playing his effects as opposed to playing the guitar, which is is something I I like to do with myself in the sense of like 
I'm not a great, I'm never going to be a Jimmy Page. I'm never going to be a Slash. I'm never going to be that technical guitar player, Trey Anastasio vibe. I can't just not, I'm not good at it. Um, but give me seven pedals and let me show you what I can do. <laughs> you know? Totally. Yeah. Just, just like, here, here's the soundscape, here's the texture, and I'm only hitting one note. Um, and some of that stuff I actually do. I have a Porgy three. Um, the opening of the cover on on our the Clean IZP that's out. You can hear up on Apple Music and Spotify. I do a cover of Apology. The opening of that is this like tone, and actually the Les Paul through this crazy delay setting into a reverb pedal, and it's bowed with a cello bow. And if you if you turn off the effect, it's it sounds awful. But you that whatever those delays are doing, it's this big keyboardy pad thing that has like some overtones and squeaks and things like that happen organically that you really couldn't program. You can't replicate. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but do you, yeah, do you yeah, have any favorite lyrics on this song, or um, is it more just you know from an instrumental point of view? It's just we very... the line who pushed two over. It's probably the one that. Yeah, you know it's, it's it's you know when when relationships fall apart, yeah, it's 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 hard to tell sometimes. Like okay, well who who's to blame? And sometimes it's everybody. Usually it's everybody. Uh, and then there's some sort of weird con- not not a concession, but you know there's almost a pushback of you know okay trying to be reciprocal here. I disappeared in you. You disappeared from me. Yeah. You know, it's a nice. Uh, yeah, I gave you everything you ever wanted. It's not what you wanted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it, it is. I mean, I think everyone has experienced variations of that of that theme, right? These are the, the reason these songs work so well is is that these are effectively timeless. These are, you know, he he the band was able to get in there and capture capture those stories in a way that that they're specific enough that you can point to something, but it's nebulous enough that you can attach to it still. We are talking with Jonathan here of Rotoscope here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka, and the next song that we have here is another single. It's called Mysterious Ways, and it's got that sort of wobbly, uh, you know, distortion. You know, those those are the kinds of, um, you know, views that you're getting from a band, from the visual a visual perspective in the video. Um a little bit of an aggressive, I would say, hushed vocal from Abano on this track. Um, it seems like he's just, you know, trying, you know, a couple again, a couple of different things here and loud. Yeah, voice. we actually guitar you get. We actually hit the fly before Mysterious Ways. Oh, we the fly do. starts oh, wait, off no, side two. Yeah, I didn't mean to skip the fly. <laughs> no, you're <Yeah>. fine. <laughs> that starts off side two. I don't have too much on the fly. I mean, I love this guitar riff. Yeah. Um, and it's it's uh I still this is one of the the songs that like whenever I'm just like messing around the guitar I pretty much always play this you know just the the, the minor turn the major you know it goes to C C sharp minor up to E and down to A and resolves out nicely in that that chorus um and then just it's the, the just the vamp on the E the and it's just it's fun um it's just a fun jam. Definitely. That's yeah. Everything that I just said a second ago, that was my reaction to the fly, not mysterious ways. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. I was like, I was like, you kind of hushed. I'm like, I'm okay. But yeah, yeah. No, and the fly, he totally is. It's this. It's, it's the. Uh, I mean, he ends the song. It, it, it kind of ties it together. Look, I gotta go. I'm running out of change. There's a lot of things. If I could, I'd rearrange. It's like he's sitting there, like 
2 a.m. drunk, rambling into an answering machine right. kind of vibe, you know? Absolutely, <laughs> it's just, yeah. It's so, it, you know, all these, uh, again, this is all that, the little vignettes of something, and you're trying to figure out where he may be going. Uh, He's it's, teasing it's out all these characters before they decide to go out on this world tour in support of Octon Baby. Yeah, no, they 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 are. He is setting it up for sure because this this song, I think, more than Zoo Station, even symbolizes the um, the tour. Like the the um, they they had something here where it goes to, before it goes to the chorus, it goes to this like major kind of like this guitar riff thing before it goes to the, the guitar solo, which you know as the edge is never really a crazy solo, um, but uh, it it just jumps up to the major and then drops back into the 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 E and, and um, during the tour class, Lord believe, and the first, first two and last two letters dropped away and they just kept flashing lie. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <Cool. laughs> like those visuals, there's so much of that stuff attached. Like when you see how they did it visually, you're like, yeah, that totally makes sense. Cause these things are all in the song. Um, it's, it, yeah, it's just, it's one of those, like, I don't know. There's, there's so many, every song in here has just got so many great things about like, of of uh, just a songwriting tour de force, you're just like, okay, cool. Yeah. After the fly, let's let's talk about mysterious ways here. This is uh you know another another big song, another big uh, yeah big hit. Record. Yeah, it's a big hit. Real primitive yeah. in a lot of respects from a percussion perspective. Yeah, you definitely have the the uh, the tabla and all the the North African vibes starting to come in here with uh, with that stuff. And I, I mean, it's 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 not surprising if you start looking at a lot of the a lot of the dance beats and 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 the layering of the dance beats is is this thing where you get you know you take a break beat and then you start putting stuff over it and there's definitely you know <clears throat> there's certain artists that have done that really well um, and there's some that just kind of hint at it and 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 uh, this is one of those where it's, it it totally works and having that all that extra percussion makes the song work because everything else is. The, the bass is just do, 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 do. it's not crazy but it's massive and it's just filling out the entire bottom of the track and then the guitar is doing this it's got this like wah-wah vibe going on yeah. uh, and that's one of the this is one of those A3 unit songs it's actually a he's not playing the wah by but it's it's more of an envelope filter than a, than a real wah-wah um, but yeah it's, it's just and it, it's it's a fun Fun song, a little more hopeful, a little more of that like see somebody across the room kind of vibe to it. So it's, it's, yeah, it, it, it definitely works, and it's it's this is this to me is just the, the colorful visual. Um, it's just it's so sonically saturated. Like if you yeah. talk, if you want like you know reds and yellows and oranges, and it's just like it's bright and it's it's yeah. sunny and it's happy. And it's, it's not like yay wee, but it's it's <laughs> yeah, it's, it's got this like oh yeah, up tempo, yay cool. You know, I could dance. With, you could dance with this at a wedding, and it wouldn't be bad. Right. <laughs> we're, we're talking about dance the one at a wedding, and I'd be like, did wrong song, guys, wrong choice. Yeah. <laughs> we're talking to John Athate of uh, Rotoscope here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka about U2's Octung Baby, and um, after Mysterious Ways, we have. A song that is recorded at a really low volume. It's like yeah. the, the band is enclosed in some kind of a, almost like a diorama, you know. And you have Bono's, you know, trademark raspy falsetto all over this song, and it's called 
trying to throw your arms around the world. Yeah, and this is, I mean, of all the songs on the record, this is probably the one I would skip over the most. I didn't really understand it, I think, when I was a kid. Um, I don't know if I really understand it now. <laughs> but, um, it's, I hear you. you know, it's got yeah. that, uh, it's, it's definitely this kind of weird, again, I think there, there's, there's a handful of songs here where you're just like bottle-hammered trying to work out love. Uh, and this kind of falls into that. I mean, you know, the woman needs a man like a piece of bicycle reference. And that's yeah, something, I mean, he does this all the time. He, this this record, they were able to pull verbal cliches and present them like they had made it up and it's the most amazing thing you've ever heard. And they, they do it throughout the record. There's all sorts of lines and references like that where you're just like, what? Um, like, that's, that's such a throwaway reference. But then you're like, that was, like, so amazingly done. Um yeah. He took an open-top beetle through the eye of a needle. What? (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's a twist. We'll we'll go with it. We'll go with it. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, it's it's one of those those fascinating just setups. You're just like, all right, that's cool. Yeah, and it it, it does have that. It's just the whole song is super chill, super low. It's there. We've got ultraviolet after trying to throw your arms around the world. What what was your reaction to this song when you first heard Hot Tongue Baby? Uh, this is this is actually I think one of my favorite songs on the record, if not my favorite song on the record. Um, just I mean, it's just the start, and I mean, it, it describes the tension, and it's just this. You just it's a it's growing into this thing, right? And then it goes and it kicks into this awesome guitar riff, you know, uh, and it's it's very high energy, but then it's it's just also kind of dark, and it has a similar vibe and a similar danceable feel, like that you you get a little bit in um, the fourth track. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, Judas song. I can't remember the name off the top of my head. And uh, need more coffee apparently. But um, until the end of the world, there we go. And yeah, uh, it's got some similar vibes to that. But it's it's you know this. It, there seems to be more hope here, and I don't know if that's true or not. But it feels more hopeful to me. Um, and and again, just kind of this like under reliance on someone else to guide you through a hard time. Um, and, and you know, the, the things that can't be seen, you know, you can you can argue with Bono that everything is a Christian reference at a point, um, but you know, it's it's some of that is going to be hard to, to ever prove. But th- you know, this is just one of those songs that is just like super near and dear to my heart, um, mm-hmm. and, and it just it's it's amazing. And guitar wise, like I've probably stolen more from this song than any other. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, there's there's um, as a little guitar riff that happens underneath the cacophony while they're singing baby 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 that my way that's the guitar riff happening under that progression and that is you'll hear that you can hear that in um one of the songs in the last year record that i played on um and it's you know it's very 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 derivative um but it's it's got so much texture going on there, and it's I think it's just one of those things that's just great. And it it's um, I'm trying to think of the right way to describe it because just I mean just that, that op- just the way that with the opening it, it just kind of is just like okay you know it's he because it's the and it's like yeah, I'm trying to have, it's hard for me to describe it, but um, I think I think I can just sum it up with the the last like leading into the last chorus it's when I was all messed up and I had opera in my head your love was a light bulb hanging over my bed just like that it's like 
you are the guiding light for me. You are, you know, you are the way that I get from A to B in, in when I'm having a hard time and all that stuff. And that's just that, for whatever reason, that 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 hit me hard at 15, and it hits me hard now, decades later. So, you know, with Ultraviolet, we segue into a song that wasn't performed live which is just absolutely bananas given the right. longevity of their <laughs> career until 2018. And that's acrobat. Yeah. Dark, dark. We get now we're into the very dark part of the record. I think um, acrobat and love is blindness is kind of, I mean, it's almost a twofer really. You kind of talk, you kind of have to look at it almost together. Um, the it, it's, I mean, especially like the second half of the song, he, there's a reference he makes to a short story. And this is the kind of stuff when you're in high school, you freak out about, right? You're like, Oh my God. You know, you're sitting there reading in your English class, and it's a story, and it's by a guy named Delmar Schwartz. And the title of the short story is In Dreams Begin Responsibilities. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> you totally stole that line. <laughs> it's like, that's amazing. That's also like, oh, wow. I, you know, it's just, you don't even think about it. You're like, oh, okay, that's how, uh, you know, this. He, he ingests so much and is able to turn it around. Um, and, but the the – don't believe what you hear. Don't believe what you see. It's like this is this is dark. This is this is the this is the, the breakup, really. You know, um, and and I mean, there's a lot of psychologists in the song too, um, but just somebody who's trying to, like, I mean, he's trying to be everything that that the other person wants and nothing is working, kind of thing. You know, it's it's and it's just like. I'm still trying though. Is like he's still at the point trying, and, and like at the end where he just keeps repeating that chorus thing. They like it like builds and builds and builds, um, you know. And then um, you know, and here's the big cliche that, that is sung so originally that you forget that it's cliche in the world. So don't let the bastards grind you down. Right. right? Yeah. Non, I mean, it's going back to Latin. Non carburant and legitimate is another rough Latin. There, you know, this is vintage. Uh -huh. Vintage meme <laughs> kind of vibe, but, um, you know, it's just it's like okay, yeah, it's you know, it's it's there's still hope. I think there's still a lot of hope here, even though it's really bad. It, it's about you know, I know it's about to fall apart. You know, the next five minutes. It acrobat and love is blindness are so they're they're sequenced so well. Love is blindness is you know there's 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 some little hope in there, but it definitely has kind of a funereal kind of vibe to yes. it. Like, I'm thinking that organ kicking it off. Yeah, I'm thinking Eric Burden's House of the Rising Sun. There's some sort of, oh, yeah. of intonation there, and you know, I, I wonder honestly if this song was somehow uh, an informer to Radiohead. You mentioned Radiohead earlier and its approach sure. on OK Computer through Amnesiac. Yeah, because if you think about so Radiohead at this point is on Pablo Honey. Yeah, and Johnny Greenwood is the orchestral brilliance of Radiohead. I mean, uh, he. If you've ever listened, to him, he's done like these weird esoteric orchestral compositions, and he's he's the one that is definitely I think turned the band more and more and more into the like I don't know what that is, <laughs> some of their recent work. But there's definitely stuff like this. This some of the darkness from Oxygen Baby I feel shows up again on OK Computer, mm -hmm. um, and, and this is a lot of the influence on like both those records had a big influence on on the Rotus record. Um, uh, the digital disconnect, you know, being more kind of a modern thing, but still the urban disconnect, you yeah. know, you know, not, you know, closing your door, never talking to your neighbor, things like that. I mean, before we had cell phones as, as 
prevalent as today. It wasn't that we were all hanging out on the street corner singing Kumbaya. It was still, you know, people were disconnected. And I think that's a, a common theme, especially in an urban area, you know, people coming from all over, very few connections. And it's like, it's hard to meet people. It's hard to connect with somebody. Um, mm-hmm. And I, and I think that, that, that sound followed, uh, definitely was derived into OK Computer in, in ways. Um, there's, there's, you, can, you can hear some of the other, you know, the, the way radio had developed, you can listen to their stuff between the bends in OK Computer, though, and see where they're, they're definitely getting there on some of the bends, like B-sides and, and tour, tour jams. They're already going down the rabbit hole. But um, Yes. We're not going to do that record today. <laughs> we're not doing that record today. We're on no, we're finishing up on this. Yeah, but um, yeah, the this is so like this. It's so it's got that everything's so quiet and it's just hurting, and you know uh, I mean the feels you know love is clockworks and cold steel fingers too numb to feel squeeze the handle blow out the candle okay. Uh, I mean it's everything's about leaving and walking away and 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 breaking uh, breaking bonds and, and yes. you know, uh, a little death without mourning, no calling, no warning, a dangerous idea that almost makes sense. And then cue the biggest dynamic change in the entire record going from the mm-hmm. entire base of this song into the edge, just eating the shit out of his guitar and just attacking. Like that's, mm-hmm. this solo is him, like every, whatever emotion he had going on about his divorce is in that guitar solo. We are talking with Jonathan right now of Rotoscope on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka about U2's Octong Baby. And John, I'd like to ask this question of anybody that loves talking about records, and that is supporting cover art. And oh, yeah. We live in this wild, wild world right now. It's, you know, we've been in the 21st century for a while, but things feel like they're moving at such an even more rapid pace than they did in, you know, circle Y2K. Um, even as, you know, things change, the way we consume information changes, anytime a piece of art, specifically music, is out there in the public consciousness, it's always supported by cover art, whether it's digital or whether it's a mural or something like that that people can mm-hmm. appreciate in a museum. It's it's ever-present. It's always there. Um, when, when we look at Octung Baby, what kinds of, what types of emotions or imagery come to mind when you look at this? Well, if you're not familiar with the cover art, the cover art is a, a four by four grid of Anton Corbin photos. The entire, all the, all the photography in the cover art is by Anton Corbin, who's, he's the one who did the famous U2 in front of the Joshua Tree photo. He's been a collaborator with them for a long time. He has this amazing sepia tone, grainy style, but then he, when he does full color, it's exploding off the page in super saturation. Um, and, this is this every single song has a spread in the book. They have all the lyrics, they have all the credits on every single song. And from a graphic design perspective, I stole graphic design ideas from this thing for decades too. <laughs> um, and it, it's uh, I, the version I had of the record was actually a, a gatefold. So it was, um, if you think about it, like a CD would be open, but then it would open up again. So you had like four panels. And so you had this, you know, like a ton, like the whole back of it was this grid four high. And then however long that is, what, 16, four by 16 of these photos. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just a super cool texture, super cool visuals. Uh, and, and I think there's there's so much in the visual here that, you you know, it's being alluded to, but it shows up once they start doing the tour, tour design and all that stuff. And you get these visuals happening again there. Um, 
and all the music videos, even better than the real thing, has that super saturation. Mysterious Wave has that super saturation. You know, they went going into Morocco and filming that kind of like blowing the colors out. Um, but then you know, you got, we got one where we dropped down to that sepia tone, black and white, grainy vibe. Um, right. You know, so so much of that, so much of everything is 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 kind of hinted at. Like so, from a marketing piece everything ties together in the album cover. And it's pretty amazing that, they, you know, they're at the point in their career where they can plan out everything and they can say, we're going to do eight videos. And the, the label's like, that sounds amazing. Great. <laughs> you know? <Yeah. laughs> There's no discussion of, oh, are you sure you want to do eight videos? They're like, how about nine? And maybe nine. That would be good. Um, yeah. it's, they're only going to ask for more. Just, you know, it's, 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 uh, they, they had the carte blanche to really do whatever they want. And, and I think that, you know, allowed them the power to go, Visually stunning, um, and you know it's it's definitely this is you know vinyl's back now and they re-released this on vinyl. I, don't, I haven't gotten the, the re-release version, but um, it definitely you know the the CD was the the thing at, at that time. Everybody had the CD, yeah. so that was kind of the intended layout and, and experience. Whenever you you know pop on Octon Baby, does it immediately transport you to that? golden age in the early 90s you know the way music was created it created the whole you know just aesthetic of bands does it just like does it yeah. take you back to a certain like place in your mind yeah it takes me back actually to to my drummer's house because we sat there and after <clears throat> after the tv tour we literally watched the the music videos nonstop. we watched the, i mean like every we were we were in no way shape or form capable of copying this effectively but we were looking at everything and trying to figure out how do you do that? How do they do that? Um, yeah. And there's, there's, you know, that's, it's very much growing up in, in Hand Roads, Virginia, down in Yorktown and, and, and being, you know, playing in, playing in the band and, and, you know, and, and so much of that camaraderie and that vibe. Um, right on. And yeah. it, it just, it's one of those, it's, it's got that special place and then it, you know, it's continued to evolve for me and, you know, it, as you know, it's it's pretty self-evident when you listen to a lot of the rotoscope stuff, guitar-wise, uh, production-wise, a lot of it is heavily derived off of of this record specifically. Jonathan of Rotoscope, it's been really a great pleasure to talk with you today. Thanks so much for coming on the program, cover to cover, and sharing you know sharing your 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 thoughts about U2's Octung Baby and the way that this record continues to inspire you. So thanks very much. Thanks for having me, Matt. I appreciate it. My thanks to Jonathan Aid for taking some time to stop by today. For all of you listeners out there, thank you so very much. And please remember to hit that subscribe button on that device in which you listen to your favorite podcasts, whether it's Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, or TuneIn. Take a moment to tell a friend or family about our show. Let us know how much you like the show by giving us a good rating. It'll certainly help us appear higher in search results. And feel free to drop us a line at hello at covertocoverconversations.com. Intro and outro music of our podcast is produced by Jarrett Nicolay at Mixtape Studios in Northern Virginia. And we hope you discovered some new music. Perhaps rekindled your love for an old forgotten song? and shared a good moment with us as we continue to sonically explore world from cover to cover.